All right. So last week, uh, I told you something very important. Uh, you even heard me this morning talk about this. God gifts all of us. We are gifted naturally. And if we're children of God through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, He gifts us spiritually. Now, sometimes those gifts will overlap. So in other words, we can take our natural gifts and abilities that God's given us and we can actually use them in kingdom ministry and it can, it can work in unison with our spiritual gifts, okay? But remember what I told you, only born-again believers, only those who have repented of sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ possess spiritual gifts that are operated through the power of the Holy Spirit. So non-believers, those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, cannot be spiritually gifted because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And spiritual gifts are operated by the Holy Spirit. And so it's very important that we understand that. As Christ followers, our spiritual gifts, we know this, our spiritual gifts have two purposes. Number one, our spiritual gifts should always glorify God. They should always glorify God. Our spiritual gifts should always point others to God Almighty. And then secondly, our spiritual gifts are always for the benefit of others. Our spiritual gifts is always, always for the benefit of others. And we should share those gifts with others. I love what 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 say. Again, tonight... I'm going to read pretty much the same scriptures I've been reading to you because this is, um, this is where we find out about our spiritual gifts. But I want to start off with 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Peter says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So Peter makes it very clear that as children of God, we are stewards of God's grace. That means we're managers of of God's grace. We are vessels. That's what I like to say. We're vessels that He fills up and He wants us to be poured out into our homes, into our workplaces, into our communities. And He does that through spiritual gifting. So God gives us gifts to glorify Him, but to benefit others, those around us. Peter gives us a good way in this passage, 1 Peter chapter 4, He gives us a good way to talk about spiritual gifts. He says that we have what are called speaking gifts and what we call serving gifts. Now, last week, we talked about the serving gifts. We focused on the gifts of giving, leading, administration, mercy, faith, healing, and miracles. Now, I don't have time tonight to go back over all of those, but if you weren't here and you would like to know more about the serving gifts, those I just mentioned, all you have to do is email me or text me, and I can send you my notes from last week. I can send you the notes from this whole series, 
if, if you haven't got them, okay? So I don't want you to think we're leaving you behind, but tonight we're going to focus on the speaking gifts, okay? So the serving gifts, let me tell you again, giving, leading, administration or administering, mercy, faith, healing, and miracles. Those are the serving gifts. So tonight we're going to focus on the speaking gifts. And here's the thing. All Christ followers can and should use their words, speech. We should use our words in ways to glorify God and to build up others. But some are gifted by the Spirit in the way they speak. So let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Okay, All of us have the Spirit in us, and we should understand that our words matter. Any words that we use with someone else, they matter. But also, the Spirit gifts some Christians, right? He gifts them with power to speak in ways that some are not gifted, and that's okay. We can all use our words in ways to glorify God, in ways to build up others, but some have what's called the spiritual gift of speaking. I love this. I put three passages of Scripture on your handout, and it's talking about the words that we use. Listen to this. David says in Psalm nineteen fourteen, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Paul says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And then Ephesians 4, 29, he says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So, so what we've got to understand is that whether we've been gifted by the Spirit with preaching, teaching, uh, apostleship, prophecy, some of those gifts that we're going to talk about tonight, even if we haven't been spiritually gifted in those areas, we still need to use our words, our conversation, in ways that glorify God and build others up. And so as Christ followers, what we communicate to others and how we communicate to others matters. How many of you remember uh, this summer on Wednesday nights? you remember the series we did? It was a series called what? Taming the Tongue, right? And James tells us that all the things in this world that we can tame, that we can control, you know, we can tame animals and we can control animals, but... There's one thing that we can't control, we can't tame, and that's our tongue. We have, we have no power over it, but we can surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can help us. The Holy Spirit can help us use our tongues in ways that glorify God and help others. So what we say and how we say it, it matters, Okay? Pastor Dan Darling, uh, he wrote a book called Spiritual Gifts. Uh, you hear me quote, I, I've been quoting him a lot in this series, and I'm going to keep quoting him because it's a really good book. But in his book, Spiritual Gifts, Pastor Dan Darling says this, 
God cares not just about what we say. He also cares how we say it. A sign of spiritual maturity is not just that Christians understand and exercise their spiritual gifts, but that they also exemplify the fruits of the Spirit in exercising them. So in other words, just because you have the right to say something doesn't give you the right to say it however you want. You have to say it in step and in tune with the Spirit. You have to say it in such a way as to benefit others and not hurt them. Build them up and not tear them down. And that's why it's important that we understand the Spirit's role in how we communicate, how we speak. And so these speaking gifts that the Spirit gives us, again, I want to make sure we understand These speaking gifts, it doesn't mean that we can't serve. It doesn't mean that we won't have a serving gift. You can have a speaking gift and you can have a serving gift, okay? And and just like if you have a serving gift, you might say, well, he's given me a gift of service and so I can't speak. That's not what I'm saying and that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? Just because you don't have a spiritual gift of service doesn't mean you can't serve, Just as tonight I'm trying to tell you, just because you don't have a spiritual gift of speaking doesn't mean you can't be used to speak and glorify God and build others up. You can. You can. So I want to go through these passages again. We we call these the spiritual list passages. Uh, You've already got them, but I'm going to read them to you again. It's always good to hear them, and then we'll, we'll look at the speaking gifts tonight. So Romans chapter 12, beginning uh, in verse 6. Paul says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Then we go to Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 7 through 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, that's discernment, to another speaking in different gifts of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now what that tells us and what I've taught you is that we don't just get to go to God and say, uh, yeah, give me, uh, give me $5 worth of teaching and give me $2 worth of prophecy. Like we don't, we don't get to go and just pick whatever we want. The Spirit gifts us as he sees fit. He gifts us as he sees fit. Now we can pray and we can partner alongside of brothers and sisters 
who have those gifts. But again, if the Spirit gives me the, the gift of teaching and doesn't give me the gift of, uh, of healing, that's okay. I should be thankful for the gift that God gives me and not covet the gift that God gave someone else. Because the Spirit gave me exactly what He wanted me to give, what it wanted to give to me, because He knew that's how God was going to use me. And, and so I'm surrendered to that, and we should all be surrendered to that. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, he says, And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Paul also goes on, and we see a passage in Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says this in verses 11 through 13. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service. So again, why do we have spiritual gifts? Here it is, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. It is to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So again, these are what we call the lists of spiritual gifts. Now remember I told you this. Dr. David Jeremiah says... These are the lists we have in Scripture. But God can gift us however He wants, right? And we shouldn't, you know, put God in a box. We shouldn't limit what God can do to and through any person that He wants to use. But this is what we have in the Scriptures. So what I want to do is I want to go through these speaking gifts tonight, okay? The first one I want to cover is apostleship. Apostleship. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 8. We also see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, in the New Testament, they call this the age of apostles. So when you look at the book of Acts, which is what we're covering on Sunday mornings, if you're not with us on Sunday mornings, we're covering the book of Acts. And what we see in the book of Acts is that Jesus told His apostles that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and empower them and enable them to go out and be His witnesses. And what we've seen so far in the book of Acts is we've seen the foundation and the beginning stages of God's church. Okay? So that is called the age of the apostles. That was the foundational period of the church. The Spirit of God worked through miracles. He worked through wonders. And He did that through eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the very first apostles, they had to be eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ, okay? Some people say, well, hey, doesn't later on it say that Silas was an apostle and Barnabas? Yes, it does. But the first apostles were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Later on, we do see that Silas is called an apostle. Barnabas is called an apostle, and there are others as we continue in the book of Acts and the New Testament, who are called apostles. Again, Pastor Dan Darling, I love what he says in his book. He says that the word apostle 
in the Greek means one who is sent. He also says that in the Latin, the word missionary also means one who is sent. So you've got these two different languages, Greek and Latin, and the word for apostle and missionary means the same thing in our English language. It means one who is sent, okay? And so he goes on to say this. He says, while the age of the apostles is now over, it is past, the age of God sending people to tell others about Jesus is not. Do you understand that? So the foundational stage of the church in the book of Acts, it's gone. It's past. The first apostles were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. They have passed on. They're gone. But apostleship is still alive today because God is still sending out people to tell others about the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so that's where we get the word apostleship. It is about telling others who Jesus Christ is, what he, what he is doing, what He has done, and what He will do. And we tell others, hey, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Jesus is coming back. So that is apostleship, and that is the gift of apostleship. It is a supernatural empowerment to go and a supernatural empowerment to tell others about Jesus. Apostleship. That's the first speaking gift. The second speaking gift is one that makes people nervous sometimes. It's the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. And it's all about context. This is what people, this is what gets them confused sometimes. And they go, well, uh, prophecy is no longer alive today. Well, it depends on the context. So, prophecy. It's found in Romans chapter 12 verse 6. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10, verse 28. And it's also found in Ephesians uh, verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. So just like apostleship, prophecy came in a foundational way in the Old Testament. We have what is known as the books of prophecy. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, we, we have two types of uh, prophets. We call some the minor prophets and we call some the major prophets. Now, that doesn't mean that Isaiah was more important than, you know, uh, Hosea or Jonah. What it is, we call them major and minor prophets based on the amount of information we have, the amount of words used in their books. And so your major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then you've got a lot of minor prophets. But this was known as the foundational period of prophecy. I love the Holman Bible Dictionary. Um, if, you ever, if you ever are curious about words and the forms of words, you know, whether the Hebrew or the Greek or Latin, the Holman Bible Dictionary uh, is a very good dictionary. Another good dictionary uh, is one by uh, Pastor Mounts. It's called Mounts' uh, Bible Dictionary. It's very good. But the Holman Bible Dictionary tells us that the prophets and the prophecies of the Old Testament also played a foundational role in the New Testament foundation of the church. Some seem to receive a special gift of prophecy in the New Testament which functions primarily in the form of worship in the church. New Testament prophecy 
was limited as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and it was to be evaluated by the body, by the church. So the, the Holman Bible Dictionary tells us that yes, we have these Old Testament prophets and we have Old Testament prophecy but how many times do we see that prophecy quoted in the New Testament Scriptures? It was foundational in the early church and they used these Scriptures to point to Christ All of these Old Testament prophets, that's what they were doing. They were pointing people to Jesus. And so the New Testament church used the prophecy of the Old Testament as a form of worship, worshiping who it was written for and who it was written about, Jesus Christ. And so if you notice the gift of prophecy, it is mentioned in every one of the lists. Did you notice that? It's in every one of the lists. It's one of those gifts that's mentioned every time. And so prophecy and prophets today, if you want to know about prophets, people say, well, he's a modern-day prophet. Again, I want us to be careful how we use that, okay? Because the original intent of prophecy was to point to the coming of Jesus Christ. It was to point to the life of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that is all prophecy was about. It was to bring people to repentance of sin and faith and trust in God. Okay? So if someone today has been given the gift of prophecy, the way it is explained by many theologians, Dr. David Jeremiah as one of them, he says today prophecy and prophets are seen as messengers of repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, not new revelation. You understand that? God has already given us a revelation of Himself and of the Son and of the Spirit. It's called the Bible. We're not writing new books of the Bible and new chapters and new verses. Okay? What does the Bible say about His Word? He says you do not add to it and you do not take away from it. Uh, today, you may not know this, right? But there are countries writing their own Bibles. And they're putting in it whatever they want in it and taking out whatever they don't want. Now, here's the thing. They ain't got to worry about me because I ain't going to read it. And I ain't, look, I ain't going to bash them. That's between you and God. But I'm going to tell you something. When God says don't do something... <laughs> and you do it, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Be- because judgment belongs to God. Amen? And so anyone who is a modern-day prophet, you need to be careful if they tell you they've got new revelation and they don't have Scripture. They don't have Scripture, right, to point to the revelation of Jesus Christ, who He is, what He's done, and his future coming. So anybody who says they have the gift of prophecy, they better be pointing to the Word of God. They better be pointing to the repentance of sin and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he's coming again. Anything else? I would be very careful to listen to them. Very careful. Probably wouldn't listen to them. So that's the gift of prophecy. So the third speaking gift is the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching. A lot of people ask me all the time, 
Brother Jeff, what, what are your spiritual gifts? I can tell you, uh, I believe this uh, because I've prayed about it, and, and the, Spirit, um, the Spirit gives me confidence. I, I will tell you two of my spiritual gifts. One of them is the gift of teaching, and one of them is the gift of encouragement, exhortation. I, I know that without a shadow of a doubt. The gift of teaching is incredible. Uh, if you'll notice, it too is in all of the lists. Romans chapter 12, verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 28, and in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This gift is very important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it shows up as the message of wisdom and the message of knowledge. So in the original Greek language, when Paul says he gives the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge, in the original Greek language, it is a word that is translated into teaching. So the gift of teaching is very important. The gift of teaching is where God pours wisdom. It's a gift from God, gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge into those who can use it. And again, how do we use our spiritual gifts? In two ways, to glorify God and to do what? Benefit others. And so the gift of teaching is all about making sure others know who God is, what God says, and how they are to apply the information, the knowledge that they have, the understanding that they've been given. So teaching uh, mentioned in these lists of spiritual gifts, it always refers to the ability to open God's Word and teach it to others, the gift of teaching. We can see that in the pulpit with preachers. We can see that in the classroom with Sunday school teachers. We can see that in men's ministry, women's ministry. Uh, We can see that in many, many settings, okay? It's not necessarily an office in the church. There are two offices in the church, pastors and deacons. But the gift of teaching uh, is, is important, okay? It's very important. And so just because you don't have an office or a title doesn't mean that it doesn't matter because the gift of teaching, it matters. It's very important. And again, if it appears in every list that we've read, I, I, I would say that's pretty important, okay? So the fourth gift, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these two together because they really mean the same thing. The fourth gift of speaking is encouragement and exhortation. Encouragement and exhortation. In the Bible, these words are interchangeable. They're used pretty much the same way. Uh, Again, I love the way Pastor Dan Darling tells us in his book. Here's what he says. He says the root word for exhortation is parakesis, which means a word to describe the Holy Spirit as a guide or a comforter. So if you've been, giving the gift, uh, been given the gift of encouragement and exhortation, you've also been given the gift of guiding someone, helping someone, comforting someone, okay? Because that's what the root word of exhortation means. Parakesis, it means a Holy Spirit-empowered guidance and comfort. Sometimes the gift of, I love this, again, this is so good. He says sometimes the gift of exhortation looks like biblical counseling, helping someone navigate through layers of their life and finding hope in Jesus Christ. Sometimes 
It is a steady, encouraging, and mentoring relationship that we see from someone like Barnabas in the book of Acts. And at times, it comes in the preaching part of what pastors do in their pulpits. The Spirit taking their teaching and filling their words with power to comfort and guide those who need it. So the gift of encouragement, the gift of exhortation, it's very clear, right? It's very clear that it's not about me. It's about God and it's about others. Glorifying God, building up others, helping others. Exhortation and encouragement. Again, it's not about a title because officially, right, for a while there, Barnabas didn't have a title. Later, he began to be known as an apostle, like we just covered that a few minutes ago about apostleship, but he was already an encourager before he had a title of apostle. He was already been given the gift of encouragement. As a matter of fact, that's what his name means. That's what his name means, right? The son of encouragement. So, uh, a very powerful gift, a very useful gift, and it's absolutely a gift that we need in the church. Exhortation, encouragement. All right, the fifth speaking gift. This is one, this is a good one. Let me just tell you, it's evangelism. Evangelism. And I'm going to tell you, like I said earlier on, about the speaking gifts. Even if you don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism, guess what you should be? An evangelist. You should be telling lost people around you about Jesus Christ. Right? Whether it's your spiritual gift or not, God has given you words and He's given you a testimony and you should share it. Okay? So I want us to be careful when I go over this gift of evangelism. Yes, there are those who have a spiritual empowerment, right? Spiritual power to evangelize. But that doesn't excuse us to say, well, he didn't call me as an evangelist. You better read your Bible again, right? I read a passage this morning that Jesus quoted, right? Matthew 28, what did he say? Go and do what? Tell. Go and tell. Go and baptize. Go and teach, right? Disciples make disciples. So before you say, well, I haven't been called to evangelism, well, maybe you need to get saved. Read your Bible. If you can't tell others about Jesus, it might be because you don't really know Jesus. I don't, I don't want to offend you, but at the same time, if I do, oh well. So evangelism, it's something that we should all be a part of, but man, there are some that have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to evangelize. The gift of evangelism, how could I describe it? Here's how I would describe it. It is the desire and the empowerment to see other people introduced to and to see and know Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of their lives. It is the desire and the empowerment. Okay? So I can have a desire to tell others about Jesus. That's evangelism. But to have the gift of evangelism from the Holy Spirit, it takes that desire and it empowers it. It's supernatural empowerment. Have you ever heard someone 
that is just supernaturally gifted in telling other people about Jesus and you go, man, I wish I could do it like him. Man, I wish I could do it like her. Look, I'm just telling you, we got to be careful. I don't ever want to envy somebody, but I definitely like to learn. I definitely like to glean. But at the same time, I also know what God's Word says. Sometimes God supernaturally gifts people to do something, and it's going to be powerful. And just because I don't have that gift doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means I haven't been gifted the way he has or she has to do it. It's not about comparison, okay? It's not about comparison, so don't ever make it that. Evangelists, they're supernaturally gifted. They're supernaturally powered. And I'm going to tell you what else. They're supernaturally sent. Think about that for a minute. They're supernaturally sent as well to tell others about Jesus. So evangelism, that's number five. Number six, discernment. Discernment. This is so good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. The, Holy, the, the Holman Bible Dictionary tells us that the gift of discernment, it is the God-given ability to tell whether a prophetic message came from the Spirit of God and His Word or from another source that is in opposition to God. Spiritual discernment. Uh, sometimes in the Bible you'll see discernment of the spirits. Okay? And what that means is some are gifted by the Holy Spirit to recognize the enemy before others recognize the enemy. Some are gifted by the Holy Spirit of God to know truth even before others know truth. It's called discernment. Okay? Discernment. Uh, As a matter of fact, I love this. Um, David, he prays for it. Listen to what he says. I don't know if I put this on your handout, so if I didn't, write it down. It's Psalm 119, verse 125. Did I put that on the handout? I didn't? I apologize. Sometimes I add to my notes after the fact. It's Psalm 119, 125. David prayed this. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. So so discernment, it's not just knowing right from wrong in a worldly way, in a secular way. Discernment, it's knowing God's Word, understanding God's Word, and applying it to our daily lives. That's what discernment is. Now you might say, well, Brother Jeff, if I'm not gifted in discernment, does that mean I can't understand? Does that mean I can't take God's Word and apply it? No, that's not what I'm saying. It's just like, it's just like any of these other gifts, right? Um, God can still give you discernment. You can still have discernment, but there are those in the church body who have been gifted by the power of the Spirit to stand out with their discernment, okay? And so... Again, I think all of us, as we study God's Word, as we pray, and as we live in the Spirit and the Spirit in us, I believe we're going to have discernment. I really do. I believe we're going to have discernment. We're going to get to understand God's Word more and more. We're going to apply God's Word more and more. But there are those that are gifted with discernment. Uh, Just a, a, a week or so ago, I preached Acts 17. If you'll remember in Acts 17, there was a group of people called the Bereans. 
Y'all remember them? Do you remember what it said about the Bereans? It said they were ready. They were eager to hear what Paul was preaching. And guess what it said? Here it is. It says that they searched the scriptures to verify what they heard. So many theologians say that what we see in the Berean community, the Berean church, is we see a gift of discernment that was given to them. They heard what Paul said, but they went to the scriptures to make sure the scriptures confirmed what Paul said. Right? That's discernment. And so we can see that right there in Acts 17 with the church, um, the Bereans. So the seventh gift, and this is the one that, man, this, this messes people up. People get so off track when they talk about this gift. And I'm going to try not to mess it up. <laughs> it's the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues. And let me just say, there, there, there are all kinds of interpretation of this. And it's okay. We can agree and we can disagree. Let's just not cast stones at each other and judge each other and say, he's right, I'm wrong, I'm right, he's wrong, okay? I'm going to tell you tonight what I believe, and I'm going to tell you tonight what I have read, and I'm going to tell you tonight theologians that I trust and theologians that I believe. Um, So I'm not here to say tonight that it's definitely this or it's definitely that. Either way, speaking and interpreting tongues are biblical gifts of the Holy Spirit. We cannot deny that. The Bible says it, that the gift of tongues is real, and the gift of interpreting tongues is real. Now, the Holman Bible Dictionary, again, I'm going to point you that direction because it's, it's so good. The Holman Bible Dictionary says this, the mention of tongues in the New Testament is about known languages, not unintelligible utterances. In every situation where tongues is brought up and you look at the Greek word, you look at the Latin word, you look at every language, when tongues is brought up, it always refers to known languages. It never mentions unrecognizable utterances. That's not what it means. And so speaking in tongues, as a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, we see speaking in tongues when the Spirit of God falls on them. And guess what it was? It was the evidence, it was the proof that supernatural empowerment had come. That's what it was. Uh, As a matter of fact, there were 120 disciples of Jesus at that time, and they began speaking in tongues. Again, proof that the Holy Spirit of God was poured out. Paul speaks about tongues and the interpretation of tongues to the church at Corinth. And again, the Holman Bible Dictionary says that the one gifted to speak in tongues will speak mysteries. And Paul used it in the context of the church to to refer to new revelation that told about Jesus and the new covenant that Jesus Christ brought. So again, foundational, foundational of the early church 
But it still pointed to who? Jesus Christ. The gift of tongues is a gift from the Spirit, but it should always do what? Glorify God, and it should benefit others, and it should always be about Jesus. Now, theologians tell us that there were three primary reasons. So when you study the Scriptures and you see that tongues is mentioned, theologians tell us that there are three purposes in the Bible, three purposes of tongues being given. Uh, Tongues were given to show the empowerment and the progress of the early church in salvation history context. So again, the foundation of the early church. Number two, it was also a way of revealing new covenant relationship between God and man through Jesus Christ. And thirdly, it was used as means of communicating cross-linguistically between different people groups. Theologians tell us that the first two the first two ways of tongues being used are no longer used. It's no longer used. Tongues is not given for the foundation of the church because guess what? The church is already here. It's already been founded. So that use is gone. All right? So they say that the only use that is left of tongues is a cross-linguistic use. In other words, God will gift me to speak in such a way that another people group will hear what I'm saying in their language. Now you say, Brother Jeff, can you explain that? No, I cannot. Because I don't have that gift that I'm aware of. Okay? But I want to go back to Paul. Because Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said... Just because you have that gift doesn't give you the right to use that gift if there's no interpreter. Because how is the body being built up if they can't understand? Why would God do that and not give the church benefit and build them up? So Paul says, if there's not one who is gifted in interpreting the tongue, then don't use the tongue publicly. That's what Paul says. And so again, this is, a, this is a difficult topic for a lot of people. Uh, but again, I just believe when you look at the gift of tongues, it's never about glorifying the one who has it. It's always about glorifying the one who gives it. And, and look, I say that about tongues, but I can say that about every spiritual gift that we talked about. Every spiritual gift that we've talked about, it's never about the one who has it. It's always about the one who gave it. If it ever becomes about you, God's going to take it away because He didn't give it to you to glorify you. He gave it to you to glorify Him and to build up His church. That's the reason we have spiritual gifts. So, two sets of gifts, if you will, according to Peter. He said, if you've been given the gift of service, then serve. If you've been given the gift of speaking, then speak. Now again... That, that's not a blueprint or a carbon copy to say every gift is speaking and every gift is service. As a matter of fact, my favorite pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah, he actually split, splits it up into three groups. He splits it up into serving, speaking, and signs. The gift of signs, which would be healing and miracles. Okay, 
As a matter of fact, I want to tell you what Dr. David Jeremiah says. He says these special gifts from the Holy Spirit are to equip God's people. We know that, right? Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12? He said God gives apostles, God gives prophets, God gives pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the body. So Dr. David Jeremiah says these special gifts from the Holy Spirit are to equip God's people. The speaking gifts are to explain God's truth. Think about that. The speaking gifts, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, encouragers, right? That makes sense. They explain God's truths, God's word. The serving gifts are to enable God's work. The serving gifts, right? Serving. That's God's work, enabling God's work. And the sign gifts, which would have been the gifts of miracles, the gifts of healing. He said the sign gifts are to establish God's authority. To establish God's authority. So here's what I want to tell you tonight, and I'm going to close. Whatever gift, and it might be singular, or whatever gifts, you might have more than one. It might be plural. Whatever gift or gifts we have, we should be humble with those gifts. We should understand that this is not something I achieved or something I gained by my effort. It is a gift. That means God gave it to you, right? It wasn't about you earning it or deserving it. God gave it to you. Whatever gift or gifts we have, we should be humble with those gifts. We should be thankful for those gifts. And lastly, we should exercise those gifts. You, you, you say, well, Brother Jeff, I just don't know how. Remember what I told you about Dr. Tony Evans? Dr. Tony Evans says, even if you don't know how, get out there and minister because God likes to hit a moving target. God didn't create you to sit around and watch. He created you to participate. Read the Bible. Men and women, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, what did God do? He used men and women. He used people people to accomplish his works. It's kind of like I said this morning. He takes ordinary, ordinary people, Jeff, Wayne, Beth, Iris, ordinary people, and does extraordinary things. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And again, if God has gifted you, he didn't gift you so that you can just sit there and look at the pretty box with wrapping paper and a bow on it. He wants you to tear into that thing, open it up, take it out of the box, right? And go out there and use it, exercise it. So we should be humble, humble with our gifts. We should be thankful for our gifts and we should exercise our gifts. Amen?